Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your great word this morning, and thank you for your great Holy Spirit to teach your word to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 45, and we'll start with verse 10. Genesis 45, 10. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, and thy flocks, thy herds, and all that thou hast. There will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Behold, your eyes see the eyes of my brother Benjamin's, my mouth that speaketh unto you, and you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. After that, his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do you, laid your beasts, and go, get you into the land of Canaan, take your father, your households, and come unto me, and I'll give you the good land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, This do you, take your wagons out of the land of Egypt, for your little ones, your wives, and bring your father, and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Okay, now, in our last study we saw how Joseph was reconciled with his brothers, and then he has one desire, which we see here in verse 10, when it says, thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, thou shalt be near unto me, thou, thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, and all thou hast. He just wanted to be near his family, because what he wanted to do is in verse 11, he says, I want to nourish you, there will I nourish thee, because you said there are five years of the famine left, lest you come to poverty. And so he just wanted to take care and nourish his family. And it was kind of hard for his brothers to understand this. I mean, it was just hard for his brothers to really understand how deep was Joseph's love and forgiveness for them. After all, they had betrayed him. They sold him as a slave. And now he wants to be close to them. He wants to take care of them. He says, yeah, he wants to take care of us, all right. You know, but (laughs) he wanted to. He really wanted to nourish them and take care of them and their families. And it was very hard for them to understand this, how Joseph could be this person of such a, a, a deep love and of a forgiving nature. And as a matter of fact, we, we really do see later on in this book, they never really did believe that Joseph had fully forgiven them because when their father Jacob died, the brothers thought, oh no, here it comes. Now that dad's out of the way, he's going to get even with us. Now he's going to take vengeance on us. 
because he was afraid in the past that it was just going to hurt dad. Well, dad's not here now, so we're in for it. That's what they thought. And so you can imagine all the years that they were living there together, and this was always in the back of their mind, this great fear. And they made up this lie. They made up a lie. What? The brothers told a lie? No, that can't be. (laughs) Oh, no. Now, they told a lie. They told a lie just to keep Joseph from getting even with them. And we see that lie in Genesis 50, the last chapter in verse 15, one of the last conversations that really it is the last conversation that he has with his brothers. It says, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph, peradventure, it will hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died, saying, so shall you say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did it unto the evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. Now, you know, Joseph saw right through this. He realized his father didn't do anything like that. And, and so it, it really, really broke his heart when he heard that and he realized, boy, all this time they really have not believed that I love them. They really have not believed that I've forgiven them. And so that's why it says in Genesis 50 verse 17, Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face and they said, behold, be thy servants. That was a lie. And it was a lie, and they told it to save their own skin. And when they asked Joseph to forgive them, and, we, and because they just couldn't believe that he really did forgive them. And again, when he spoke in response to that lie, he told them, as he had told them in the past, that he was looking at God, that his eyes were on God and not on them. And his response was, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you... You thought evil against me. He said, yes, I stipulate on that. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass it as it is this day to save much people alive. Therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and he lived 110 years. Actually, it wasn't really that long. He, he really lived a relatively speaking short life, 110 years. We would say that today. But when you consider that is, that Abraham lived, I forgot, 175 years and, 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 and I think Isaac was 180 years. So he only lived 110 years. He had a rough life. Joseph, <laughs> it took its toll. Anyway, but when Joseph said, am I in the place of God to his brothers, that showed a secret in Joseph's life. Joseph in his life, kept his eyes on God. And he knew that, that what, what, he knew what was his job to do in life and what was God's job to do in life. And he yielded to God the areas that were God's responsibilities. You know, he, he, he when he kept his eyes on God, he knew the, the specific job that God had given him to do. And he said, I'm going to do that job. You know, when you think about when the Lord Jesus died, I mean, when he, when he left the earth, He said to the Father, Father, I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. Now, there were many people still in Israel that were not, that were not saved, that were not believers. There were many people that were lame and blind and dumb and, and all the things that he did to correct when he was here. There were many. 
But he said, I have finished the work that thou hast given me to do. So there was this, there was a, there was a specific part that he had to do and he finished it. And that's the way it is in our lives as well. That there is a specific task that we have from God to do and it's important to focus on God so we know what that is and we can finish it. We can say like he did. But vengeance and punishment and judgment, that's all above Joseph's pay scale, and so he, that belongs to God. So it's no wonder that Pharaoh said to his servants about Joseph in chapter 41, verse 38, when Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And when we look at Joseph's brothers really having a hard time understanding how Joseph could be so loving, so fully and completely forgiving them, it shows us we also have trouble understanding this as well, and that's what Pharaoh said. There's nobody like this. It shows us how we have trouble fully understanding how the Lord Jesus can so fully and completely forgive us and especially forgive the Jewish people, but that's just like the Lord Jesus to be that way. That's like Joseph. So the Lord Jesus has a desire, just like Joseph, that his own Jewish people would come to him, be near him, so that he can nourish and take care of them. And so as we see Joseph's brothers timidly approaching and continually asking, Joseph, would you please forgive us? Would you please forgive us? And he's saying, I did forgive you. And we can see what's going to happen in the future when the Jewish people are going to, they're, they're, they're going to come to him. They're, they're not going to understand how he could fully forgive them. And then we see how Joseph then entrusted the, the brothers to carry this important message back to the father. We saw how he, Joseph, carefully crafted the message, went over it with them, the exact message, exact wording that they were to bring back to his father. And he says that in verse 13, ye shall tell my father. And then he tells them that, okay, now you can also put some things in your own words and that's in verse 13, and you, sh- you can tell them of all that you have seen. But he told them it was very important. He, they had to move very quickly to go to the Father. And then they were instructed exactly what they were to do. And then what happened is that he turns to his full brother, his only full brother, Benjamin, in verse 14, when it says, he fell upon Benjamin's neck and wept. This is a pretty graphic detail here. He fell upon Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. I mean, we're tracking tears here. You know, that where those tears are falling, it's, uh, it's, it, this is, this is neck to neck. And it appears from this that, all, that Benjamin was the only person standing at this point. And the other brothers were bowing to the ground as verse 14 is only talking about Benjamin. Maybe it wasn't that way, but that's kind of the way it sort of appears. But what certainly is true and what you do get from verse 14 is a very special relationship between Joseph and Benjamin. That's what verse 14 is telling us. There's a very special, there's a very unique affection that's going on here between that Joseph had with Benjamin. And Joseph didn't have this special, unique affection with the other brothers. But Benjamin, as we know, he's the only full brother. They both had the, the they were the only brothers that had the common mother of, of Rachel. Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. 
Well, whatever the reason is for this special relationship between Benjamin and Joseph, they communicate to each other with tears rather than words in verse 14. And so what we see here in verse 14 is Benjamin playing a very integral role in the reconciliation of the family. See, this little touch that we're getting here in verse 14, this description of weeping on the neck, is showing us the special relationship between Joseph and Benjamin. And so in a sense, reconciliation happened because of a convergence on Benjamin where Joseph and the brother. I mean, in a sense, Benjamin is the key to the reconciliation. I mean, when the brothers hear, they see how Joseph shows this special affection crying on his neck. And then they understood, oh, that's why it was so important for him to get Benjamin here. And they also understood how important it was for them to treat Benjamin nicely. Because, in fact, they could see how they could gain favor with Joseph by how they treated Benjamin. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the brothers, some of the brothers would have come up to Joseph and said, well, you know, I was the one who took special care of Benjamin when it, you know, I was the one who taught him everything he knows. You know, all the other brothers, they were ignoring Benjamin. Oh, not me. I really sheltered him. I protected Benjamin. See, and if a brother said something like that to Joseph, we could understand how Joseph, oh, I have a special appreciation for you because of how they, because of this special relationship between Joseph and Benjamin. So when we look at verse 14, there's just one word that we can use to describe uh, how Joseph uh, looks at Benjamin or what he feels about Benjamin, and that would be the word beloved, beloved. See, more than any other other brothers, verse 14 is showing us that Joseph viewed Benjamin as a very beloved brother, very beloved brother. Now, that's the word that God the Father uses to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark 1.11, when it says, Mark 1.11 says, there came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, now that happened. And, and so, you know, if you were there and you heard that, you know, in Mark 1.11, then you would have said, I can gain special favor with God the Father by how I treat the Lord Jesus here because I just heard God the Father say he's the beloved one. Well, that's what's happening in verse 14. All this weeping on the neck, the, the brothers saw this special love relationship with Benjamin, and that's the key to the reconciliation with Joseph. It lies in Benjamin and their relationship to Benjamin. And the key to our reconciliation with God the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ, the beloved of the Father, who is our Benjamin, as we see ourselves as the brothers. And see, see, in the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, when he is tempted in the wilderness there for those 40 days, you know, in Matthew 4, in the beginning of Matthew 4, that chapter starts off very significant. So in the beginning of his ministry in Matthew 4, and it says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So, oh. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him and said, he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. 
That's very important. When it says the tempter came to him. Why? As far as I know, that's the only place in the New Testament where we read that the Lord Jesus had a face-to-face encounter with Satan. And it says, and the tempter came to him. He was led up of the spirit into the wilderness. He was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. The tempter came to him. And, 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 it, and, it, and it's kind of interesting, right at the beginning of the ministry, because, you know, you can almost picture the Lord Jesus saying to Satan, I can fight you, and I can beat you as God. You know, all I really have to do is just, as God, is just look at you, and you could be, you would be reduced to ashes. I can fight you. I can beat you as God, but I'm not going to fight you as God. I'm going to fight you as man, as a man. And as a man, I'm going to fight you. And as a man, I'm going to beat you. And he did. He beat him as a man. So the Lord Jesus, he fought Satan as a man. The Lord Jesus beat Satan as a man. And that's important for us. And that's why it's right there in the beginning of his ministry. Because when we picture ourselves as the brothers back here in Genesis 45, then we can see that the Lord Jesus as a man was our Benjamin. There's a man today in heaven. There's a man in heaven in the person of the Lord Jesus. He's the beloved son of God. He's the beloved God, the son, but he's also the son of man. And he's the beloved son by God the Father. There's a special relationship between God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Now, that's what's all happening in verse 14. Now, Joseph has finished kissing and crying on Benjamin's neck, and now he moves to the brothers in verse 15, where it says, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept on them. doesn't say that he wept on their neck. I don't know if he wept on their shirt, whatever. But he wept, he kissed them, and he wept, wept, wept on them. And then after that, it says, after that, his brethren talked with him. So we can imagine here how when Joseph shows all this affection toward Benjamin, that the brothers may have thought, well, that's what this whole thing has been about. Oh, we were just tools just to get him reunited with his full brother, Benjamin. And and that's the reason why he was doing all this insisting about bringing Benjamin down. It's all about Joseph being reunited with Benjamin. Maybe we can just slip out now, you know, and leave Joseph and Benjamin together alone, and he'll forget about us. So you can understand how the brothers, after seeing this special display of affection between, between Joseph and Benjamin, how they would have been thinking like that. But that all changes in verse 15. That all changes in verse 15. When Joseph turns to them and kisses them. Now, kissing is a pretty individual thing. You know, you, you, you don't kiss a group. You kiss people, right? And so he's kissing them all one by one, not as a group, one by one probably starting with Reuben, with Reuben. And, and so you can picture that. He's got Reuben in front of him here. He's, he's, gonna, he's, he's kissing him. He's, he's crying on Reuben, but he's looking right into Reuben's eyes and he's weeping. And he remembers how it wasn't very long ago that Reuben said for the whole group, thinking that Joseph couldn't understand him, we are verily guilty concerning his blood, Joseph's blood. And then he remembers that. Then he moves on to Simeon. 
And again, he looks right into the eyes of Simeon. He kisses Simeon. He weeps on Simeon. And he remembers how hard-hearted Simeon had been, but he forgives Simeon. And then he goes on to Levi, same thing, look in the eyes, weep, cry on him, and, and, and speak with him. And then he moves on to Judah. Now that would have been special when he looked into the eyes of Judah and, and, and kissed and wept on Judah because it was Judah who took the lead in speaking for his brothers there. And so he, go, he moves on from one to the other, talking with them, looking into their eyes, weeping on them, kissing them. And it's like, really, when you see all this weeping, you know, he, he, he had a tremendous capacity for crying, you know, and it was a lot of, a lot of liquid there. But really, he, it says that he wept on them. He wept on them. It's kind of like the, 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 like the brothers were baptized in this flow of tears from Joseph. As a matter of fact, that's what they all had in common. They all had in common. They all got kisses and they all got, they, they, they all got Joseph's tears falling on them. And this went on from one brother to the other brother. It was very moving. You know, the kissing, the weeping on them. And this is where Joseph is really exercising a very special, unique quality that Joseph had. What was that? Joseph had this unique quality that when he spoke to a person, he was able to totally focus on that person and give his 100% attention to that person. Joseph had this hawk-like focus. That was Joseph. It didn't matter whether it was the baker that he was interpreting that in dream from or the butler he was interpreting that dream on or the pharaoh he was interpreting that dream. He was able to shut everything else off, everyone else off, and just you were the only person in the world when you were talking to him, to Joseph. That's what we see Joseph doing here. In verse 15, as he moves from one brother to the other, kissing, talking, weeping, and it's so dramatic. It was so dramatic on the brothers that it says at the end of verse 15, after that, his brethren talked with him. After that baptism of Joseph's tears and the kisses, his brothers talked with him. Now, you say, well, okay, what's that mean? At the end of verse 15, after that, his brothers talked with him. Well, you got to go back to verse 3 to see. You got to see in verse 3 that from the moment that Joseph said, I am Joseph, that it says in verse 3, and Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? It says his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. So from the moment that Joseph told them, that he was Joseph, something happened to the brothers. They couldn't talk. They could not speak. He asked them a question, does my father yet live? They don't say a word. They can't talk. They can't speak. They said nothing. He says, he, in verse 4, he says, come near to me. They came near, but they said nothing. So from verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, Joseph's doing all the talking. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 